We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, Friday, December 2nd. And you know what we do on Fridays? We fight on Fridays. Maybe I don't fight with the people in the YouTube chat, but feel free to post your comments and your questions in there. But we're covering the uh, the MMA slate, the UFC Orlando card for tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. So it's a it's a late card especially for 15 fights. They're going to be rolling these fights out on a conveyor belt. I mean, we have, we have some weigh-ins uh, going on right now. Uh, I, I believe every, everyone so far I see is, is making a wait. Uh, we, we should have 15 fights. You never know. We were off last week with uh, the MMA, but the week before that, uh, we got we got the, the first late swap slate, and, of course, the main event gets canceled mid-card, so they ain't getting rid of this. So we'll be talking about late swap stuff, right? Because uh, getting getting your advantage through it, I think, especially in the beginning where people don't know how to utilize it well, uh, is going to be a, a bit of an edge. And uh, and I used that edge two weeks ago, won the 555 for 30000 So let's see if we can do it again. Let's see if we can do it again. So give me those thumbs ups in the chat. Get, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Wataz Suki Singh here early as usual. Kickstart, good morning. Bart B, Adam Eisen. Card fan, defect. Good morning. I love 15 fight cards. 15 fight cards, uh, less duplication and uh, more options. And uh, the larger the, the, the slate is, the larger the card is, the more important ceiling is. When we have these 11 fight cards, then it's like, oh, can I get an 85 point win out of someone? That could be optimal. That could be in the winning lineup with 15 fights. You really, you should be aiming for 100, okay? You should be aiming for, I mean, 100 plus out of favorites and 90 plus out of underdogs, but you'd still rather 100 even out of the underdogs. And I think we have some underdogs that could could score 100 points uh, on this slate. 
So, like, no matter how the ownership is, always look at the fights and go uh, on this large card and go, how do I get 100 points out of, out of this fight? And there's some fights that you could practically X out because the, the likelihood of them getting 100 is, is very low. It may, it, it, depending on their ownership, if you tell me they're four percent on, maybe you take a shot. But I don't think any, I don't think any fighter on this slate is going to fit the bill of they're going to be low uh, enough owned for their hundred plus point scoring upside. And we we covered a lot of that on the Ground and Pound podcast that should be coming out today. We recorded it last night. Liam, Mike, myself, almost two hours worth of content breaking down each and every fight. Liam, you know. He's the MMA expert, goes through how the fight is probably going to play out. And I kind of uh, overlay the, the DFS strategy on top of that. So uh, if you're if you're a Roto-Grinders premium member, combo premium, get NBA, get NFL, get PGA, get MMA, get college, get uh, college basketball, college football, get soccer. We got World Cup soccer going on right now. So go get that. Click the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. So I added, uh, if you did, I added two new columns. I added one new column this week, but a new column two weeks ago to my MMA spreadsheet. And I'll show you that here. Maybe let me make it so everything could fit on the screen just so I could see everything. We get all the fighters. Can we get all the fighters on the screen? Let me, let me make it even, even smaller. Okay. Okay. There we go. There we go. I think everything's on the screen. So last week, last time we were here, I added this OPT column, and I call it the optionality column. And that's basically, I I, div- I, did, I gave it like six, six points per fight. Okay, so the first fight is six. Second fight is 12, then 18. Then the, this is arbitrary, okay? There, there's, no, there, there's no scientific means for that. I typically just go 100 divided by how many fights are on the card. And then I added them up from there. So basically, when it comes to late swap, it's more advantageous to have more information to build your lineups. So the early fights are less important than the later fights. Okay. So I want to add an optionality value to it. It's, is it going to make a, the grandest of differences? No. Like the difference between like, if I see here, like with Jeregui, right? Six. If she was like the last fight and 90, it would go, her score would go up by like 0.04. Okay. So the difference between, between the, the first fight and the and the last fight is only the difference of like 0.04 in my in my little model. So it's not it's not like dramatic at all, but it it solves some 50-50 type of issues. If I took away this column and two fighters were very similar, I'd rather take the later fighter. Okay. So I have this column in here and I I I wait that. You could wait that whatever way you want. If you want to wait later fighters higher, then wait it, wait it higher, right? They it what Exact weight do I put on it? it? It's not scientific. I could be wrong. Okay, so, so you don't have to even bother asking. I'm just trying to put something there to say, hey, three, four fights in, I know information, and now I can build my lineups accordingly based on what the fighters previously scored. I want more optionality for that. Uh, and then I also added this VAR column. Var- I, I call it variance column. Just it's It's more of a reference point for me for when the card is going on. Of which fights are lower variance, which fights are higher variance. So, like, what's the difference between low variance and high variance? High variance fight means one person could score a lot and the other person could score very little. 
So fights that are more likely to end inside the distance are going to be higher variance fights. Fights that are more KO dependent for scoring are going to be high variance fights. Fights that are more likely to go to decision and more likely to not have a knockout are going to be lower variance fights. Okay. And I'm going to put this, I put this in as a reference point and it's an arbitrary reference point, low, mid, high. Uh, So throughout the card, I know, do I have to add variance to my lineups? Do I have to decrease variance in my lineups? So I know which fights are which and when, and when they happen, because every 20 minutes, a a new fight is going to lock. Right, so you're probably going to be about 20, 25 minutes behind. This card, they're going to roll it out on a conveyor belt. So I don't think we can get in a situation where the fight, like three fights from now, is locked while the current one is going on. I think they're really going to, you know, the, at one o'clock that this uh, this uh, Jeregui Nunes fight is going to lock. Then by the end of it, the next fight is already going to lock. So like you're going to have like a one a one fight like gap, but I don't think that gap is going to extend that much. To, to the main card because they have to fit like eight fights in three hours. So there's, so then I don't think it's going to be, you have to react like way in advance. So what I, why I do this. Okay. Understand. And I explain this on the MMA ground and pound podcast. And I'm going to keep on explaining this until people get it. Whatever you, what the natural instinct is to do the opposite of what you should be doing. Okay. Most people, they go, Oh, well I want to take early fighters. Because if they put up a big score, like then I could just play the chalk at the the rest of the, the rest of the slate. It's like, yeah, you're thinking of the the positive benefit of let's say you play the first fight, Jeregui and Nunez, and Jeregui puts up 130. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, I mean, she could put up a, a, over 100, especially if she if she actually uh, commits to some takedowns because Nunez is just horrible on the ground. Uh, so let's say she let's say she puts up 130 points. Most likely going to be optimal at ninety three hundred. It's like okay, now I could now I could take a main event fighter. I could take Jonathan Pierce. I could you know I could go and take Nico Price. Take take you know whatever the chalk is. It's like okay, that's the the positive benefit. But what happens if Jeregui puts up seventy eight points at ninety three hundred? Well, now you don't want to play the chalk anymore, right? Now 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 she's not going to be optimal. I mean, on a fifteen fight card, seventy eight points for ninety three hundred ain't going to be optimal. So now now that lineup is dead. Dead for first place. It's dead for first place. Okay. But you prioritize early fighters. But when do we know this information? After the first fight. Okay. So let's say after the first fight, she, you have her in a lineup and get 130. Okay. I'm using the first fight as an example. But this, this extends as the card goes on. Now, obviously, she's most likely going to be optimal. So now you want to build variance into your lineups. Right, you're competing for first place now, right? All that equity. Remember, equity, the payout structure is the hockey stick, right? It goes low, 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 and then straight up. Okay. If you have an optimal fighter in your lineup, you're competing against that hockey, that 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 you know, the blade of the hockey stick, the top five percent, top one percent equity. If you don't have an optimal fighter, you're not competing for the blade at all. At all. You may think in your head that you could get up there, but you're not. You're competing for a min cash. That's it. Whether or not it's a 1.5x or a 3x, even, you know, if you get a little bit up the hockey stick, you know, up the, the you know, the, the handle of the hockey stick, but it's going to be from 22%, 25% up to like 5%. There's not that much of a difference. So you're really just competing for a min cash. So if Jeregui puts up 78 points, for instance, 
and wins. She's not going to be optimal. And this is where you have to say in your head, okay, even say, put it on a post-it note. The post-it note should read, what game am I playing? Because you're going to be playing two different games depending on your lineup when you consider late swap. So this is the main reason why I'm only playing eight lineups this late. I played six lineups uh, two weeks ago. I'm I'm not playing large field contests. I'm throwing them in the large field contest, but I'm mostly playing the smaller field stuff because there's bigger edge in the late swap for those contests, especially since I'm not competing for the optimal. I don't need the optimal to win, right? Ricky Tercios was in the optimal two weeks ago and I won the 555 without him. And we'll talk about that in a second. Okay, so let's say you have Jeregui. She puts up 78 points. You are now not competing for first place. You're not. I'm telling you, you're not. 78 points at 9,300, you're not competing for first place. Okay? So what game are you playing? You're playing min cash game. That's what you get. You're not You're not playing first. You Most people's instinct is, oh my God, I have like a, a 14% owned 78 in my lineup at 9,300. I need to get off Jonathan Pierce. I need to get off, uh, I don't know who's that, Marcos, Marcelo Rojo or or Phil Rowe or something, you know, some of the chalkier guys, because I need to make up ground. Well, you're not competing for the top 1% anymore. You're competing for just the top 25%. And in MMA, it's mostly binary outcomes. So if you get six winning fighters in your lineup, no matter how many points they score, if you get six winners in your lineup, most likely you min cash. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's very, 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 there's very few slates that you get a six out of six and don't even cash, okay? Most slates, if you get five winners in your lineup, if you took a zero in one spot and then got five winners, no matter what five winning scores they are, you're probably going to min cash, okay? Four, maybe not so much. Four, you'll probably need four really high, four high scoring winners and two losers. And three, you're almost dead. You need the three highest scoring fighters and then even with the, the losers, we still have to put up decent at 40 points or something, okay? So when you have Jiregui, let's say we're using this as an example, the first fight, you have a 78 from Jiregui. What should you be doing? You should be now focused on low variance fights. You want to optimize and maximize your probability of getting six winners or five winners in your lineup. No matter how much they score, don't worry about how much they score. Just want five winners. So the low variance fights, the ones that are more likely to go to decision, even if in a loss, you may get 35, 40 points, right? 50 points in a loss. And you may squeak out a decision and end up with 70, 80 points. But all you need is like five of five more of those with your regular 78 and you probably cash. So your goal is now, let's say you had a lineup. Let's say I'll, I'll, use, an, I'll use this as an example. Let's say you play Pierce, Jaregui, uh, uh, let's, let's, let's take a look. You play, play, uh, Phil Rowe, Phil Rowe there. You got 7,800, maybe play Tuavasa against Pavlovich. You got 8,100 there. You're playing, uh, maybe, uh, uh, Rojo against Marshall or, or let's see, or Valdez against Levy, right? You got 8,900 left, maybe some, something like this. Maybe you have a lineup that looks like this. It fades the main event. You have Pierce, Jaregui, Rowe, Tuvasa, Valdez, Marshall with a very high variance lineup. This is a, probably a, a good GPP lineup, okay? Mostly, all these are high variance fights. 
right? That one guy is going to score a lot and then probably is not going to get out of the first or second round. Okay. So let's say Jaregui scores 78 points in this lineup. You're not competing for first place. What game are we playing? We're playing min cash games. So now you look at this and you go, why do I want all these high variance fights? Right. If Pavlovich knocks out two of us in the first round, like two of us will score six points. Right. Yeah. Two of us can score a hundred plus, but you're not, you're not aiming for a hundred plus anymore. You're playing min cash games. So like if you have the option now, like what's the second fight? Cause we're probably not going to know your score. So the next fight is Marshall, Marshall versus, uh, Marshall versus Rojo. Okay. So most likely that fight is going to be locked. Right. But you're not going to have all these spots. You're going to have this lineup now. After knowing your rugby score, because you can marshal the next fight, so you're gonna have you're gonna end up with that fighter in there. You should be taking out all the high all, all the high variance fighters and putting in low value. Now you want to optimize for wins, so now you're more likely to play Jacasey at 9200 rather than Pierce, right? Get get the win. Maybe you don't even pay. Maybe you don't even pay up for Jacasey, right? Start start looking at these low underdogs that are lower variance. Maybe you play Stephen Wonderboy Thompson now. Right, the main event underdog. That fight goes, you know, he could win. And the fight goes four rounds. Even if he loses, he may put up 50 points. So maybe you plug him in. Like, what other underdog? We take a look at our sheet. What other underdogs are low variance? I don't consider Michael Johnson to be low variance, but that fight may may, may last a while. But maybe Delize Guida. Like, maybe we put Guida in. So let's put Guida in. Another low variance fight. You get 8,300 left. Maybe you put in Angela Hill. No ceiling. I would, I, I mean, Ducati Hill is a fight I just X out for GPPs. But at this point, you're not playing for first. Don't worry about, oh, Angela Hill, if she wins, she's going to score 70 points. I'll take 70. If you could tell me that I could take 70 right now at 7,900 when I already have 78 for Jaregui, like I'm not competing for first. So fine, give, give me it, right? Give me that. I got 8,700 left and I play Hermanson. Against the leads, they all the low variance fight. I put in as many low variance fights and try to try to get five wins total. That's what you should be doing. Most people think in terms of, oh, I'm behind. I got to now increase the variance. Yeah, if you were competing for first, that would be true. But you're not competing for first anymore. You're not going to win first with 78 points out of Jurigui. Okay. Now the lineup that we looked at before with two of us and everything. If Jurigui put up 130, now you leave the lineup the way it is. Right now you you now you care more about ownership, right? You still want the high variance fights, but you you don't mind the high own. Maybe you have Pavlovich in the lineup, right? You have Pierce in the lineup. You have Nico Price in the lineup, and you go, no, I'm trying to hit. I'm trying to hit the nuts now. I'm trying to hit. The, I'm I'm competing only against Jeregui lineups now. How do I how do I hit the nuts with it? I don't want tenth place. I want first place. Okay. So if Jaregui put up 130, then then you'd you'd leave your you want high variance fights, okay? And let's say he played Nunez. Let's say Nunez squeaks out a, a a decision, right? And she ends up with like 75 at 6900, which is pretty good. She could still be optimal at 75. I'm not sure in a 15 fight card there's a you gotta dodge a lot of stuff and get really high scores out of the the top end. But at least then with Nunez in the lineup, you should now you should increase the variance of your lineup. Nunez is now competing for first place, right? And then let's say in the next fight, uh, 
we have uh, Marshall Rojo wins against Marshall, and Rojo puts up 100 points. It's 7,400. Okay? And you don't have Rojo in your lineup. You have Nunez in your lineup. Well, now that Nunez lineup is probably not competing for first place. Now, Nunez at 75, even with Rojo at 7,400 with 100, could still possibly be optimal, but probably not anymore. Anytime, uh, if anyone 7,500 or below that puts up more than what other underdog it is, most likely that person isn't going to be, isn't going to be optimal. So let's say in, in Rojo in the next fight puts up a hundred and now you're sitting there with just a Nunez lineup. What game are you playing? You're playing for MinCash. Now you should be replacing the high variance lineups with uh, high variance fighters with low variance fighters. Then maybe not all of them. You don't have to necessarily do all of them, but at least in the ones that are coming up, right? You have to take a look at the schedule as it goes. Right, I took a look at fightodds.io. You're going to go from Jeregui to the Marshall fight, to the Levy fight, to the Rebus Cortez fight. Right, you're going to you're going to see what's the next fight coming up. Do I have to switch any of my lineups to that fight to go up in variance or down in variance? That's what you should be doing every 20 minutes. Put a put an alarm, put an alarm five minutes before any fight locks. Right, so typically it's 20 minutes apart. So you're going to put an alarm at 115, 135, 155. Stuff like that. So it makes sure that check my lineups. I got five minutes to swap out stuff, right? What game am I playing? Look at a lineup. What game am I playing? Okay. Let's say you have no fighters and like you have nothing, right? Dragui Nunez happens and neither fighter is likely to be optimal and you don't have them. Great. You don't have to worry about it anymore, right? Let's say Marshall Rojo happens and neither fighter is optimal. You don't have either of them. Great. You have more information. Now you have more information. Now you know that Nunes can't be optimal. You know that Rojo can't be optimal. So now you're looking at, it's like, okay, it's more likely Valdez and Tuavasa, Anderson. One of these underdogs need to need to make a lineup somewhere. So you know that your lineups that have Valdez, Tuavasa, Delize, whoever on the bottom, I don't know sure if I'm playing anyone underneath Tuavasa. Now it's those like those lineups are more likely to be playing for first place. Okay. So let's say one of them, let's say, let's say one of the favorites, let's say the situation where uh Marshall puts up a hundred at eighty eight hundred. Could he be optimal? He could be, but not necessarily, right? Let's say let let not even hundred. Let's say Marshall puts up a hundred and ten. Okay, at eighty eight hundred, that's a pretty good score. Is it is it optimal? Could be, could not be. But in Marshall lineups that are that would be optimal, what do they look like? And this is the second, this is the second point with late swap. Okay, I'm putting on I'm putting on a masterclass. You could probably refer to this show for anything when it comes to late swap in MMA. Okay, so let's say Marshall in the second fight. And I'm using this as an example. Puts up 110, okay? Now, if he puts up 150, yeah, he's probably optimal. Yeah, I don't think anyone's outscoring him. But at 110 at 80, 100 is a pretty good score. But, I mean, Pierce could put up 130. Dos Anjos could put up 130, right? Pavlovich could get a quick win bonus, put up 125. I mean, 110 may not make it. Yeah, for 80, 100, that's pretty good, right? He's a good shot. He's a very good shot, but not the perfect shot, okay? But let's say you don't have him. You don't have Marshall in your lineup, okay? Let's say you have a lineup that looks more like this. Let's say you have Pierce, Pavlovich, 
Nico Price. I'm I'm going through kind of a kind of a bit of a chalky build. Let's say you have uh, Valdez. You don't have Ro- Romo. Let's say you have Delizze, 8,300. Yeah, you're probably not left there. Let's say instead of Nico Price, you have Phil Rowe, 8,900. You don't have you don't have uh, Marshall. Let's say you have instead of Pavlovich, you have Jacasey. Let's say no, maybe maybe let's say you have Dawkins. 8,800, you don't have Marshall. So let's get off Delize for Tuavasa. Down here, just to make it all fit. 9,100. Uh, okay, Valdez, Dawkins. Maybe you don't have Dawkins. Maybe, do you, uh, let's see. Uh, Dawkins. Do you go up and down? Maybe, maybe go in the middle. Maybe you have uh, Holland in the main event. And you have Dos Anjos. Maybe you have something like this. Okay, this is a, this is a viable lineup. Right, so you pay up twice. You have Dos Anjos and Pierce. Okay. Now lineups that have Dos Anjos and Pierce, look how hard it is to have Marshall in this lineup. Okay. Very hard. Right. You'd have to go down from Rowe even further, or down from Valdez and Tuvasa even further to get up 300 more from Holland to Marshall. Okay. Now this lineup is likely not competing against Marshall lineups, okay? So when Marshall in the second fight, let's say puts up 110, and you're like, ah, that's 1,800, that could be optimal. That could be in the winning lineup. You don't, now, you want to make your lineups look more like this. So let's say you have nothing from the first two fights. Let's say you have six fighters left, 13 fights to go. You don't want lineups that look good with, with Marshall in it. So let's say, let's say you had a lineup that instead of Marshall, you had Natan Levy there. So let's say you had Levy. I'm going to say, I'm going to say you have Pierce. Let's say you put up Pierce. You have two of Asa. You have Dalidze, 8450 left. You have Steven Wonderboy Thompson and Jacasey or something like that. Okay. Which this is, has some of the chalk in here right? A bunch of the chalk. Now this is a 50K lineup with Levy in it, but this lineup looks very much like a Marshall lineup, right? I'm going to replace it. A 49.9 lineup with Marshall. If Marshall puts up 110, that means the only way, the most likely way that your lineup with Levy that looks like this is the winning lineup is if Levy outscores Marshall. You still have to get all the other fighters right as well. So you need to get everything right with the rest of your lineup, and Levy needs to outscore Marshall. If Levy does not score out, outscore Marshall, this type of lineup with the ownership that it's going to be on, it's you're not you're you're, you're going to be dead to it, right? People are going to have lineups that look like look like that, look like your Levy lineup, but have Marshall in it, or look like your Hermanson lineup, look like your Pavlovich lineup, but have Marshall in it. Okay, so if you had this lineup, and you have 13 fights to choose from. When Marshall scores 110 points, you want to make you you want to make your lineup not look like a Marshall lineup because you you're not coming like it's possible that Marshall isn't optimal and if he's not optimal then it's probably because it's a different construction not because you know two fighters above him put up 20 more points than him and two, and an underdog or two put up 105 
And it's like he's in a price range where you can't fit everything in. Okay? Now, if Marshall puts up 70 in a win or something, now you want to keep your lineup. Now it's like, oh, this is what Marshall lineups look like. Marshall won with 75 points. I think Levy is a great shot of beating him. Right? I want to to compete against those lineups. I want to. Your opponents aren't going to swap as much. So I, now I'm not going to swap because I already have a lineup that looks like a Marshall lineup that I could beat. If it's a lineup that you don't think you could beat, you can't make it look like that. So what lineups are you competing against? And that's what I did two weeks ago with Ricky Tercios. I had Natividad in that lineup, that one. And Natividad actually put up 74 points and a loss on that fight. That was a wild fight. Tercios put up 116, I think, at 8,600. And what I immediately and and what and what I did was had now I'm I can't build lineups that look like Tercios. I didn't have any Tercios. What do Tercios lineups look like back then? They probably have. Uh, they probably need to spend down on an underdog that isn't Jennifer Maya. So that's probably Chase Sherman or Kudalaba. Okay, which means I got to get off of those guys. And it's probably more beneficial that since Tercios lineups had Sherman or Kudalab in it, that I should be playing a guy that's against those guys, right? I want to bust Tercios lineups. I want Sherman to lose, and I want Kudalab to lose, which means I probably should play Cortez Acosta, and I probably should play Kennedy Ejekwu, or, you know, one of the two, because they're directly negatively correlated to what Tercios lineups look like. Tercios Della Maddalena type lineups look like. <coughs> so that's what you should be thinking about when you late swap throughout the course of this late. If a, if a guy is more likely to be optimal, what do those lineups look like? And if you don't have them, you don't want your lineups to look like that. Okay? Now, if you're if you're sure that they're going to be optimal, let's say let's say Marshall put up 140 points. Like now, now, if you don't have them, you ain't competing for first place. End of story. Now, all your lineups, you're min-cashing. Now, I would be putting in all low-variance fighters and try just try to get five plus wins out of your lineup, cash all your lineups and move on to next week, right? If Marshall puts up, if Marshall loses and uh, and Rojo still only puts up 70 points, the fight's a bust. And if you don't have them, great. Now you're in, posi- you're, you're in position to win, right? If Marshall puts up 95, like 8,800, 9,500 is pretty good. What's the shot at him being optimal? There is a shot. 10, 20% or something like that. But probably you don't mind your lineups looking like Marshall lineups. As long as you get like Pavlovich or Levy or Holtzman or Hermanson to beat beats that score, your lineup will beat Marshall lineups that look like that. Okay? So that's what you should be thinking of. How, how often is this fighter optimal or in the winning lineup, depending on the size of the field that you're playing? Obviously, in large field, you're pretty much playing for the optimal. Small field, you're just playing for like a high, the highest scoring lineup. It's going to be closer. It's going to be close to the optimal, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the nuts. So that's what you should be asking. What game am I playing? Put it on a post-it note. Put it on a post-it note. What game am I playing? Don't go like, oh, I, I, I missed. I, 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 I. In the first fight, let's say, uh, what we have the Marshall Rojo fight. Let's say Marshall loses, and you have eighty-eight hundred Marshall in your lineup, and he has twelve points. You go, oh, I got to switch out. I got to play Brian Barbarena now. I got to play Darren Elkins now. No, you don't. 
You just have to get five winners in your lineup. Just get five winners in your lineup. That's it. And if it met, means going to uh, Ducati Hill, if it means going to Rebos Cortez, if it means going to Holtzman uh, Guida, the closer fights that are more likely to go to decision, but maybe not give you 100 points and a win, that's more likely. More likely get a win than try to get a, you know, a plus 500 underdog or something. What's Barbarina? Plus 415? Elkins is plus 350? Like you're not you're not aiming for 100 points. You're just aiming for wins. Just aim, aim for 70 points out of the rest of your spots. You get 70 out of five spots, you're probably going to cash. Okay? What game am I playing? Say that to yourself. Clay Davis asks, hello, Mr. Blender. Can you please show us your prize picks process? The prize picks process. This is what you do for prize picks. You sign up for Roto Grinders. Okay? That's the first thing. Click on that link in the description. Uh, get $10 off your first month. Then you look at the projections, okay? Then you compare the statistical projections to what the number is on price picks. If it's significantly over or significantly under, then you take it. That's it. There's no other, there's no, there's no complicated process. There's none, right? You go, you go to the blitz projections for NFL. If uh, so-and-so running back, 87 yards, mean projection. And you look on prize picks and it's 64. Take the over. There you go. The Blitz projections say 68 and the number 64. That's not that's not a big enough of a discrepancy. So you're looking for large discrepancies. That's it. There's no other process. You compare one number to another number. And if it's enough of a percentage off, right? Significantly enough off on rushing yards, passing yards, NBA points, rebounds, whatever, that's all you do. So basically you just go into the statistical projections page and you know what you do? You put them side by side, right? And you look at one column and then you look at the price picks. I know I'm saying it very patronizingly, but that's that's what that's what it is. There's, there's nothing more to it. There's, we have projections. And over the long period of time, our projections are probably going to be better than the numbers that they put up. Over a long period of time. How long of a period of time, you ask? Oh, I, I I did this for your projections for three weeks and uh, I'm only breaking even or something or doing really well or doing really bad. Said, said, do I have to change anything? It's like, no, you get you, you, over the long period of time. It's like, well, is three weeks enough? It's like, dude, three years may not even be enough. Okay. Understand long-term means long term. Okay. I've always said when it comes to DFS, uh, most people's ROIs from a stability standpoint within one standard deviation are not accurate and none could be accurate. That you could play every slate in the history of DFS and still not have a sample size large enough for GPPs to be within one standard deviation of your, of your true ROI, of your true skill. DFS has been around for like 12 years. If you played every slate on every site ever, ever made in every sport, one-game slates, five-game slates, turbo slates, every slate, tiers slates, classic, everything. Every showdown, everything for every game, everywhere, right? And you played, I don't know, 50,000 slates like that. Your true ROI would, in GPP would still not be within one standard deviation. So that, understand how much long-term really means. DFS Voodoo is here. Good morning. 
Okay, Cloud Kickers can't stick around. I don't know why can't you stick around? But he hit the like button, so that's fine. But that's MMA. Like, MMA, focusing on late swap, especially if you're playing the smaller field stuff, right? In the larger field, you're trying to hit the optimal regardless, right? Right, so it's not, it's not, it's not, uh, yeah, late swap, there, there's a benefit, obviously. But still, like, once 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 you don't have a fighter that's most likely going to be optimal, you, you, you're dead for first. So, I mean, you're probably not going to win first place. The optimal is most likely going to be the first place score in the large field. In the small field, it ain't. Right, I won 30k without Tercios, and Tercios was like what the second highest scoring fighter on the slate for 8600. But he was 16% owned, and most people that had Tercios had Kudalaba and Sherman, and they both lost. And I have Maya at like 8% in the 555, and she put up like 78 points. I had a losing fighter at 74 that was only 12% owned, and Bing Bong Bing, no other, no other underdog won. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I don't, I guess I don't need Tercios to win the 555. So that's why it's a little bit more important in small field. Also, it's easier to see what you need and you don't need, especially towards late in the card, right? Because not many lineups to look through, right? You look and you go, okay, I, I, I got five I got five winning scores here. I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I see the PMR, the fights remaining left, and there's only a couple of lineups that I have. Okay, what could they have? Oh, they're, they paid up there, so they must have this underdog. Oh, they paid down here, they must have this favor. In, a, in a, a, the large field, you're, you probably have to look at like 60 different lineups. And they may have two V2s and you have to compute all of that. And unless you have some type of like like automated process to simulate that out and guess and stuff, it's going to be pretty tough. That's why I keep it eight. I do it on my phone, right? Once the card starts, I I, I, bear, I don't even come back to my computer. I did it on my phone. I just swap, go, what game am I playing? Look at a lineup. What game am I playing? Okay, let me swap in and out. And then maybe on my phone, I bring up this, this uh, spreadsheet. I mean, by the by the time the, the the card comes around, I know which fights are the high variance wins and the low variance wins, right? But I still put them here here anyway. So I hope I hope you learned something. That, like this this is the key. You you even if you're not going to win first, just getting twenty percent more of your lineups to min cash could have a significant effect on your ROI, right? Sometimes sometimes it's uh it's survive in advance. Sometimes it's just you know, rescuing money rather than making money. Like, it's not a matter of like, oh, how much profit am I going to have? It's like, how do I have the least amount of loss? Right? Let's say, I let's say you know, I, I don't have Pavlovich in any of my lineups and he goes out and quick win bonuses, you know, uh, uh, tied to Avasa and I have nothing. It's like, okay, well, I ain't going to win. So how do I maximize my percent of only losing 20% on the slate rather than losing 60% on the slate? I'm probably not going to profit no matter what. But I'd rather lose 20% than try to make up ground that doesn't exist, right? You know, some, you know, some early knockout happens and you don't have them. And next thing you're doing is you're pivoting to Elkins and Barbarena and you're playing Ducati at no ownership, hoping for a miracle. And even if you got all of your miracles, you probably still don't make first place because you don't have a guy that, that you need for the optimal lineup. But if you don't, if you get if you get the miracle, you come in like maybe you come in fifty fourth place <laughs> for like for like eight x, maybe six x, something something like that, and that's a miracle. That's a low percentage point. Or you could say screw the top one percent, right, and just go. I'm just going to optimize, just maximize my chance of getting five wins, 
get my 1.5x and move on. The likelihood of getting that may be 40% rather than 5% of getting 8x. And if you do that on your lineups on a consistent basis, instead of having, you know, it, 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 it could add up. I mean, even if you're playing lower volume, if you're playing 50, 100 bucks a slate, that may be the equivalent of 20 bucks, 15, 20 bucks per slate that you play of rescuing lineups to the min cash. Okay, so let's say it's 20 bucks a slate and you play what, 40 over the course of a year? And you're only playing 50 to $100 a slate, like 40 slates, like 800 bucks. I mean, that's like eight slates worth of your volume. Why not rescue it? Don't go. Don't go. Oh, I, I have a losing fighter. Let me take Bob Ryan Barbarena. That's what your natural instinct. I got to make up ground. But make up ground for what? You're not playing the first place game anymore. That isn't the game anymore. You're, you're, playing, you're playing a double up at this point. Right? You're playing a 50-50. That's the game you're playing. You're no longer in a GPP. You only care about the min cash line. That's it. Anything past there is, is gravy, if anything. And then if you have an optimal fighter, now you're playing for first. Now it's like, how do I get even different from the lineups that are around me? There it should be more likely you play Barbarena. I'm not I'm not saying you do, but he's going, how do I get different from these lineups? And also it's a good, it's a good uh, point where you can leave money on the table. You could start off with 50K lineups and by the end of it, have a lineup that has 49.3 in it, 48.8 in it, right? You don't have to build the lineups that leave money on the table from the start. You can end there as the slate goes on. I'll be talking about this all the time because there's not much content since it just started with DK Late Swap for MMA. There's not much people talking about the, the, the game theory of doing it in MMA, especially when it's non-correlative, right? The, fight, the fights in and of itself aren't correlated to each other, and it's very binary. It's very similar to the golf. Imagine golf had late swap after every hole of every golf or every tee time of every golf. You'd be doing the same exact thing. I got this guy in my lineup. He has, he's he's already he's already shot four over in the first three holes. And you got guys coming up that are teeing off. It's like it's like, dude, that guy's consider that a lost cause at this point. Oh, now I have to switch on to lower owned fighters. No, just try to get five guys through the cut. Right? That guy's a lost cause. Oh, he's done. You're not competing for first place. That guy's not going to make the cut, probably. So now you should be switching to golfers that are more likely to make the cut, not ones that are going to put up, you know, tons of birdies. Just make five out of six. You probably cash. Okay. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Helps us out. Helps us out a lot. Remember that at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. is the Card time tomorrow. Not an early. I prefer the early ones. I want the four o'clock ones. I like the one o'clock ones even better. But uh, we got that. And then we got UFC 282 after that. Then another card after that. And then we get like a month off of MMA. But uh, but that's what I do here on Fridays. It's fighting Fridays. We didn't fight with each other that much. But uh, I'm just fighting to teach you the game theory of MMA late swap. And uh, as long as you're not using it in my contests. Like uh, I wish I wish the best of luck to you. Uh, we got basketball later today, NBA Grinders Live. We've got tons of NFL content coming out on the channel today. I got a premium game theory show for NFL Week 13 with Tuttle. Uh, that's uh, behind the paywall. So uh, sign up for NBA. Sign up for Combo Premium. 
Uh, you get the access to my my game theory channel in the Roto Grinders Discord, where that's that's the place to talk to me. You can post anything you want in there. I will I will try to answer anything. Uh, and uh, and yeah, uh, James McGuire has a, a last question. Last question: Do you put a number of how much correlation is worth to a lineup? Do you eyeball it? I eyeball. You would have to build a simulation model in order to do it more precisely. Uh, okay. So uh, so yeah. So I'll be back on Monday with uh, with James. Like we meet meet on Mondays as usual, going over uh, reviewing the the NFL slate. Uh, the pricing on DraftKings uh, is actually uh, pretty decent. We don't have to play build two tight end lineups at all this week. Uh, fans fans is a little, a little bit tougher, uh, but uh, there'll be tons of NFL content going over that on the channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, rate and review it if you can there, and uh, and I'll be back answering your DFS strategy questions Monday through Friday, eleven o'clock Eastern. On the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.